0: So, I'm on this journey to discover the secret source to successful corporate innovation and startup creation. I want to tear through all of the conflicting and confusing chatter that, that steers us to inertia and get to the real reasons why innovation is important and difficult. So, with these chats, I'm going to reveal all of these ingredients and flavors that, that blend up to make this, this source with the, the help of my guests. And what we're looking to discover is corporate uh, innovation, innovation strategy startup and venture creation and early stage startup investments and I'm, I'm really excited to have Alex Wieman here today. Um, we've worked on a few projects together in recent times and I thought it'd be a great person to invite to to the podcast and I can already tell it's going to be a, a really exciting chat. going to be so, a burn burner, burn burner. Exactly so Alex you want to introduce yourself and tell everyone what you're up to. So hi, I'm Alex Wimest-Doors.
1: I'm a Canadian, but I've been living uh, in Europe. So particularly in Paris, France for the last 16 years. So my training is basically, I'm an engineer, uh, did a bachelor's and master's. So I got a, also when I was in grad school, I set up a company and and won the Quebec entrepreneurship competition, which gave me a little bit of a taste for entrepreneurship and company creation. And in 2006, I left Canada, Beautiful country to France, another beautiful country. And I worked for five years in industry at Early Keith in different roles. And then I got the opportunity to become a venture capitalist in 2011, where I worked for almost seven years at Truffle Capital, where I was a plain vanilla VC focusing on tech. So, um, deep tech in particular. So, I had 15 companies mostly, and you know, from green chemistry, sensors, uh, renewables, you name it, deployed over 100 million euros during that time. So, I was in. The vc court in france and in europe and then in 2018 at the beginning of the year i joined solid ventures so Solvay group is a integrated chemical major out of belgium and i ran their. Uh, i was managing director for the emea portion of their corporate venture fund so i have a different experience um i then became a corporate venture capitalist and then in 2020 I left to start up a fund called Oscar Capital, which is a hybrid deep tech life science fund focusing on medical cannabis and the endocannabinoid system. And I also work as a consultant for different
0: corporates as well at the moment. So that's me in a nutshell. I mean, where can we start, really? I mean, what Why was really interested in getting you on for is, is your deep experience in venture capital and the corporate side of venture capital. That's who, who our audience is. Um, could you we just rewind it back to the basics of what is venture capital in in your perspective because we hear this word it's it's very sexy right um, everyone thinks that it's a you know good to have venture capital in in their startup or or corporate so what is venture capital in its in its basic essence so venture capital in its in its
1: essence so venture capital is a subclass um in private equity and finance so that's basically Uh, People that, you know, people, investors, what we call limited partners, give people money to invest. And venture capitalists are people that invest other people's money into young companies. It can go from software to uh, clean tech, to life sciences, to forestry, agriculture. It's very broad, mostly focusing on early stage businesses. Um, In my case, I work in tech, so it's more industrial technologies, life sciences. So it's basically helping the goal is to invest other people's money into the right nuggets, the right companies, uh, help them grow and then sell them either by selling them on the stock markets or via uh, what we call a trade sale is when you sell to a corporate or a private equity fund or something like Mm -hmm. that. So I would say, yeah, it's really a subclass of private equity, what we call buy side. And we're probably the, we're, I I figure we're the most noble, Mm of all of finance because we actually invest in real assets and real companies and we help you know our goal is to grow them create jobs create revenues in the countries that they're in Uh, we don't speculate on things well we speculate on technology teams and markets but it's the real economy so i figure we're the least paid probably between private equity and venture probably not paid as well but we're the most noble
0: i would say um and then if we kind of Fast forward that to corporate venture capital, is it similar? Is is there a different definition or is it kind of trying to copy and paste almost? So what's a bit different between the two is that when you're
1: what we call a plain vanilla venture capitalist, so that's you work in a fund where there's third parties like banks, states, even corporates invest in these funds. And then you invest with the sole goal to make money in most cases, right? To make little babies with the money that they give you. In a corporate fund, it's different. So there's several types of corporate funds. There's the internal corporate funds, which was Solve. So that's basically you're, in, you're investing in businesses that are usually strategic for the company that you work for, uh, to help foster open innovation, to also make um, you know, financial placements, um, and also help uh, by kind of going a bit forward sometimes on the strategy of the group or going to areas where they want <clears throat> they want to work in. Um it's a It's a bit different, it's got a strategic angle to it on top of the making money angle. So that's kind of the in-house corporate venture capital fund and you've got them independent funds but are funded by many corporate ventures, which we can say is a hybrid between an internal fund and a VC fund, a typical plain vanilla venture capital fund where you are kind of independent but the money comes from corporates. So there's, I would say there's two types of funds. But I think for today, we should talk about, you know, internal corporate venture funds. But yeah. that's the
0: main difference. You, um, you invest with a much more kind of strategic vision. Yeah, yeah. I've seen that quite a lot with the work that we've done as well. It's uh, how can you bring in startups to facilitate the already built strategy, right? Um, so what would be the main differences between traditional VC what you're um, doing uh, now and then the corporate venture capital which you've done previously what's the kind of main you know you have a few bullet point differences yeah so there's there's a few differences so we
1: can go maybe on something a bit more structural difference is a corporate venture fund um, plain vanilla Mm -hmm. they have a fund with a lifetime and an investment cycle so they have to invest for, for usually it's say eight years fund life so from the first time, first dollar that you get in, you have to give it back after eight years, hopefully with a large profit. And you have a window to invest, right? And during that window, you invest. And then after that, you harvest through IPOs and exits. That's in a typical fund. And you usually have to have a financial return. In a corporate fund, especially the internal funds, those funds usually don't have a lifetime. So it's almost like a evergreen fund. And you usually have to there has to be a strategic fit with the business. So when you're a typical VC, you look to make profit, you, need, you look you know, to make a IRR, internal rate of return. When you're a corporate venture capitalist, you have to also have synergies with the company that you work with in most cases, and it has to be a part of the company's strategy. So if, you know either, it's usually not short-term, it's usually mid to long-term, so between one to five to 10 years. And so that means that the corporate can be a bit more patient with the company. So it doesn't have to sell it. it can keep on supporting it, but it also sometimes um, can be too strategic. So they might try to impose things on the company that it might not necessarily want to do because the corporate has its own strategic goals. And another thing um, that's interesting, um, and we're going to talk about this a bit later, I assume, is that corporates sometimes change strategies. So that means that. One day, what's interesting about being a corporate venture capitalist is you have a whole army of people in the company that you can tap into when you're looking to do an investment. And even after the investment, the corporate often will sign a partnership with the startup to help it grow. So, um, but if the strategy changes, sometimes for the startup, it's very difficult because the corporate is no longer interested per se. So you're kind of a stranded asset in some cases. So that's kind of the bit of a difference is... The VC will invest to try to make the company grow and try to sometimes pivot the business to make profit, maybe go into another market. Meanwhile, the corporate will be still very focused on, you know, what their interests are as a company.
0: So absolutely. Um let's uh put the brakes on VC, traditional VC and, and how startups can actually position themselves to work with VC and, and corporates. And that's, let's talk about the corporate venture capital a bit more because that's something where especially my audience are always struggling to actually find the right the right fit really of, of how they can introduce this quite new area for the corporate but then get success out of it and and we always see the headlines of you know X corporate invested big money into this startup but then we never see real true success stories after that capital has been invested in so I think it's quite good to talk about the the horror stories that you've seen in your 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 experience, and then maybe even we can. Well, it'd be good to hear about what we can do to improve those stories to turn into successes. I know we spoke about a few beforehand, um, without naming any names. That's, uh, let's let explore a bit. So, do you want me to, I can maybe go through a few horror
1: stories first to entertain people, but uh, I can give you yeah. one example of a company that I worked with that I invested in quite heavily uh, mm. in the renewable energy, space, uh, renewable energy space. And we had an energy, so an energy company had a corporate venture arm and they're all, you know, you know, these energy companies, they like to greenwash and they say, oh, you know, they're out drilling holes in the Arctic. And they're like, look, we built three wind turbines, you know? So this company was quite interested in offshore winds and they had invested with us in a series B and they had bridged the company to a, you know, for, you know, we they had been pretty active for the first two years. And then, the priorities changed, hmm. and they said they did not want to take. They weren't not ready to take also a technological risk, right? Because this company had built a demonstrator, um, which was a big demonstrator, a thirty million demonstrator, and they had to build. They wanted to actually deploy it into an actual wind farm, and that's the point where the technocrats of the company came in and they said, "Oh, we can't take this technology risk. We need to see it run for another six years." And for this oil company, you know, it was maybe 40 million euros to build four turbines and they didn't want to take that risk. Right. You know, and they have billions in the bank and they, you know, they have these nice commercials on TV, like, uh, you know, uh, moving towards net zero in 2055, you know, Uh, and there they are torpedoing this company. So what happened was is they said, well, we're not into this anymore. Um, This is not our priority. So we're going to stop funding it. And the company needed money. So what happened was we were we were us and another venture fund. We went to the market and we went to talk to our peers in the venture capital space, and they all said, "What is this company? What is what is your corporate doing?" And we said, "Well, they're not reinvesting." And they said, "Oh, and that can sometimes scare. In ninety percent of the cases, it'll scare away the other funds. So you're kind of stuck in a situation where." You can't attract new investors because they say, well, if the corporate's not interested and they're still in energy, they should know what they're talking about, then it's a dud. So we, that, was a, that was a that was a horrible story because the, the company's still alive and they've managed to pivot and go do other things.
0: But it was the management went through the ringer for a good two, three years. And, and I think my question would be, was the technology flawed at all? Um, no, no. Or was it purely no. in the corporate to align itself the
1: demonstrator is still running after yeah. seven years and it's producing energy right in the Netherlands so, so that's and still- now they've gone off to they've gone off to Japan now and they're doing stuff in Japan but uh, actually I should introduce them to our client um, but but anyways um, that's just one example of a company uh, that got torpedoed by a corporate venture fund and also the people in the corporate venture funds a lot of the time. Do not have the courage mm. to challenge their pe- their bosses or their peers in the company and say guys we should be doing this they just usually tow the company line every time right so is that's a- another problem too is you don't have the risk takers the guys that say listen this is a great market we should go into it there's very few of those in corporates and in this case it was just uh
0: pencil is there a like a structural change or a streamlining process um, which you would have advised the corporate to take? Um, to well, rep- I, so
1: I can talk about my experience um, working at Solvay.
0: Yeah,
1: Solve had a very um, good governance structure. Right. And I mean, you've, it was basically like a typical investment committee in a fund, right? And how the investment committee works is you have members and you usually have to have a consensus, then you do the deal. And in this case, we had members, really members of the Comex, So we were at, had access to the decision makers and they saw us as, you know, kind of scouts. They wanted to see what was happening in the market. And those were the decision makers we had, including, you know, the head of strategy, the chief technology officer, one member of the Comex, And we always had to come with somebody from a biz, the head of the business unit. So we were really touching the strategy of the group. And even if something, you know, even on previous investments that had maybe been deprioritized, They still said, you know, this is still kind of in our business. We cannot let them go Um, unless it's a total done, you know, the technology doesn't work or whatever, Uh, but they would always follow their money. So I thought that just to do new deals, sometimes it got a bit boggled down in, you know, kind of the politics, but in general, I thought that structure was pretty good. So I think from a corporate venture side, I would say, try to have people in these committees that have open minds that are not just guys waiting to see, uh oh how much will this investment make me next quarter uh those kind of people should just you know stay in their zone and not go into (laughs) open innovation and scouting and going into future markets that is the worst recipe a total recipe for disaster
0: so that is what i've been hearing from a lot of the the guests is this short-term thinking versus big picture thinking and a lot of the guests and their best practices are edging towards big picture thinking for the strategic pieces of work. But then obviously with the fundamentals, there has to be an operationally sound business in the short term to facilitate that big picture um, thinking. Well, yeah. And, uh, yeah it's, it's good to hear your, your thoughts on that. Um, so going back to to war stories, I know that not everything's been a, a walk in the park with the, uh, obviously the oil and uh, gas uh, startup, and then you've also got other uh, stories to tell us. I wonder if there are any more, so we can just give a different perspective. Um, maybe so from- that
1: was that was like nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> that story. I can give you maybe an Alice in Wonderland story now. I can maybe give you a better oh. one that's happening right now. And this is um, so um, yeah, one of the companies that I work with who, you know, corporate invested in, they've strongly supported the business, right? They, um, you know, helped with, you know, materials, commercial relationships, made them high-level introductions to potential clients outside of the market. I can't say the name of the company or what they do because they're currently being potentially uh, acquired. Yeah. Um, But yeah, basically the corporate really helped out the company, was very supportive when we needed, you know, when we needed to bridge the business, they were there. This is a company that I sit on as an independent board member, it's not Solve or anything. Um, but, and basically what happened was this corporate was very supportive and this was their corporate venture team. And when the times were tough, they were there with, you know, supporting them. And now they're being sold. They're gonna make a nice multiple on their investment. And they have a commercial relationship with the startup. So the acquirer is actually a big, a big company and they actually don't have that company as a client. So now they're acquiring a much bigger playing field mm-hmm. through the startup. So that is the huge win. A, they make good money on the return, and B, they go into a geography with a customer that they didn't have before. Yeah. So that is, like, that is a win, and the founders are going to be driving Porsches. It's, everybody's <laughs> quite happy, and it's a company that's yeah. done very well but they've had difficult moments and the corporate was there to help. And when there were internal problems as well, Mm. because sometimes in the corporates, if you're doing a commercial relationship with some guy in a business unit who doesn't know how to work with startups, Mm. they were there to push. That's also very important,
0: pushing. I've seen a lot is that when the going gets tough, a lot of the corporate um, execs will jump ship or, or distance themselves and not, get stuck in and you know i don't think this deal could have been possible if if the corporate ducked out in the tough time it was
1: done during covid and they were doing they invested during covid sure sure and they were actually under huge constraints from the general economy and they still did it and they believed that this was a technology that they needed to move up the food chain and their bet was definitely paid off so but there were risk takers you know there were there were people that were kind of turtled up you know just like oh covid uh, the whole world is you know our sales are down 30 percent and there's and then there were the kind of strategy guys that said listen this is when you have to place your bets now because if we just keep our quarter our cash like that we're never gonna we might survive the winter but we won't see next year so yeah. that's the kind of you you need to have those people pushing and For founders of companies that seek corporate venture funds, right? And you might have some that knock on your door. I would say, do your diligence on them. Talk to other founders um, of companies they've invested in and ask those specific questions. Like, have they done multiple rounds with you? Um, Are they supportive outside of the board or the investment? Do they help you commercially? Do they make introductions? Do they help you distribute your product? Do they help you? uh, Are there internal experts that have helped you um, on scaling up you know that's the kind of questions you need to ask and don't you know the corporate might say oh you can call this in the ceo fine they're going to give you the happy ceos they're not going to give you the angry ceos so you got to go on the corporate's website figure out the different companies go on linkedin find the founders and talk to them
0: yeah yeah
1: honestly you do they will do diligence they will look through every nook and cranny you know uh possible when they diligence you as a company, you have the right to diligence them
0: and VCs, not just corporates, but VCs as well. Absolutely. Um, Just before we get on to the kind of good and bad um, best practice for startup side, um, with the corporate venture capital and this, uh, you know, the various deals that happen, do you find that the corporate takes away resource and sometimes budget from the business as usual activities to dedicate to the new venture? in times where they need to make that sacrifice and it's paid off or am I barking up the wrong tree? I would say that's like kind of ideological. Hmm.
1: Um, usually when the going gets tough, you know, there's people lose their jobs and stuff like that. Then um, it's in within the corporate I mean. Um, yeah. But in the startup, when the going gets tough, uh, and going often gets tough in a startup, I've never met one startup who's had an easy ride, right? It's an up and down uh, roller coaster. Um, but with regards to the people, um, you know, you need to, the people in the corporate also need to help you and in push internally, right? And those people, when they're going gets stuff within the corporate, right, you also need to make sure that those people don't, you know, kind of hide under the table and leave you hanging so you really have to vet your people um but there's a lot of people like I mean corporate I mean there's a difference between entrepreneurs and corporate people in general right corporate people have a stable job they take their in France they take their 14 and a half weeks of holiday um you know they're corporate people they're you know they're they're not like entrepreneurs who you know might take more risks you know the corporate people have their objectives and working with startups for some corporate people is a risk is is a risk right because they have their set objectives, right? They have to do them. And if they go and they start doing this kind of stuff and then open and you know, in the innovation departments, that's their job. But in, in the business units, might not be. And if the thing fails, if the startup fails or there's a problem, they get all the crap falling mm-hmm. on them. And if it succeeds, they'll get some of the kudos, but then their bosses will get kudos. And you know how all this works, right? So yeah. um, it's also kind of, um, you kind of need those, internal heroes you know not the guys who aren't scared who to you know go outside of the little sandbox you know yeah but those are rare there's a lot of turtles i call them turtles there's a lot of turtles in corporate if the boss says jump they'll say how high you know
0: Mm. Um, but that's why there needs to be a lot of active responsibility to vet these individuals and to actually think about what the strategy is right because it's not I don't think it's good enough, and I've heard from other guests as well to just say, "Oh, I want to do uh, a CVC, or I want to do corporate innovation." You've really got to put some thought to it, right? Because, as we've thought, um, spoken about previously, there have been missed opportunities, um, uh, lack of payoff at the end, so so negative return on investment. Um, so that's something which is important to give it the proper, you know, thinking. You and I have both seen thousands of startups come, come through the doors. Um, your side mostly looking for investment. Um, what are the do's and don'ts? And if we just start with the, the must do's to uh, at least get a bit ahead of the, the competition in terms of getting a conversation or getting some investment, um, what are you kind of looking for as a, as a must do? Well, I would say one thing that I like as a VC yeah. in general,
1: and we get like bombarded with deals um, it's that's like yeah. nonstop. You get the cold emails and stuff. I mean, that'll, I might read one or two, but I, what I would say is um, what I like is when startups say, Hey, uh, hi, I'm uh, Bozo corp. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm uh, I'm uh, I've got this, you know, great new idea. Um, We'll be raising money in six twelve months, but I'd like to just introduce myself. And if you want to have a quick, you know, 15, 30 minute call, don't do an hour call with a the VC. They have no time. Uh, well, the good ones have no time usually. Um, so I would say introduce yourself and have a meeting with a VC and say, listen, we'll be raising money. I just wanted to meet you, you know, put, put us in your CRM and, you know, we want to do this, 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 and the next kind mm-hmm. of, Six months and then we'll be raising funds. So keep an eye on us. And don't overpromise and underperform. Underpromise and overperform, right? The VCs love that, especially on business plans, right? Uh, mm. so but that's on the don'ts. Um, another do is don't be afraid to pick up your phone and call the VC. Uh, don't just if you can get their phone number, call them. Mm. Pick up the phone, call them, or send them a message. Uh, because we get so many emails. What I would say too is. What I like in decks as well, so when you're doing a deck, I like to have something that's very kind of simple and concise, it's like kind of 10 pages when you're sending it to me. Just so, and I really need to understand, you know, problem, solution, the team is very important. So you need to, I mean, obviously startups sometimes cannot have huge teams, but what's good is sometimes you can get advisors that'll work for little and help. And then obviously you can compensate them with stock options. Um, I like to also see founders that own a significant portion of the company and don't have, you know, when you're going in later rounds, sometimes the founders find themselves at 10% and then you get into a tricky situation where you need to sell the company. And then, well, the founder owns nothing and the corporate wants the founder and the tech. So then the founder ends up, you know, kind of cutting a side deal with uh, the acquirer. So I like to see companies as well. That's a do is to see a company where the founders have a significant portion of the capital. Uh, because their skin's in the game. I also like to see when the founders invested themselves a bit of their savings into the game or their family, you know, because you're not going to screw over your family, right? Unless you're one, you know, you're a sociopath or something. Um, so <laughs> those are the kind of things that I like to see a skin in the game. Don't hesitate to contact us if you're not raising capital. Keep in touch um, and keep it simple. Ten, 10 pages problem solution team market opportunity. And don't give us a business plan with ridiculous numbers. Like our, we're going from 100,000 to 30 million in one year in sales. I mean, you're, I mean, I just throw those decks in the garbage. So once again,
0: under promise, overperform. Uh, yeah, exactly what I've I've seen and uh, advised myself. So something that's always undiscovered or unexplored when when it comes to uh Giving advice to startups looking for uh, investment is is traction because that's always a it's different for every company some are better at getting early traction than others but um, what sort of traction does a startup need to come to you where do they need to be at in their in their journey and um, obviously that's a question of are they even right for venture capital investment but if we just start with the traction first So, I mean, it depends on what's the profile of the company, right? I can take an example of a company doing
1: industrial applications, right? My bread and butter with Solveig, for example, is, I mean, what I like to see is companies with their own IP, obviously. So strong IP, uh, that's, they've got a patent granted, which means they have something that's protectable. That's a form of traction, right? They've got a strong IP portfolio because usually when you're doing early stage investing, you know, I try to see if there's a proof of concept that's somehow is scalable. And obviously a few customers or partners, right? So those can be corporates. And one thing that's a big no-no is on the on decks that I see sometimes with companies, oh, we have, you know, relationships with Solvey. And I was like, I saw a couple of companies put Solvey logo on their deck. And I was like, when you're not even in a CM, we've never heard of you. I was like, oh, we met them at a trade fair like two months ago. Uh, so you have to be also careful. Um, in terms of traction, not kind of over selling what you have. Like um, what I look for in traction in terms of sales, right, is I look for a product, you know, an MVP or a kind of beta that works. And also, you know, if you've got a corporate that's working with you, what kind of contract do you have? If you have a proof of concept for a given product, there's a 99% chance that the corporate has five of your competitors doing the same program, testing the same thing, and then they might even pick a winner, right? They might pick one or two, or, you know, it might just be, you know, research and innovation spending money. So I look at what kind of contract do you have and what kind of partnership do you have and with how many people? Okay. And obviously, if the, if there's other VCs who have come in before, I obviously look at who they are
0: and if they're putting money again in the next round. Um, okay. That's also a kind of... A, what about further down the earlier in the line so no prototype uh maybe they've spoken to customers tested a, a very early mvp of of uh you know uh, problem market fit that sort of thing um, and then they come to you for investment is that are they in the right place or or, or not at that point it depends for what like i've
1: done a couple of deals as business angels that were like literally guys spinning out a technology from a given institute. Mm. Uh, this company is called Octarine Bio. I invested in them through, uh, through Oscar, but I did it as a business angel. Uh, this company literally were two people spinning out a technology from a lab. And how did I know that they had traction? Uh, is because A, they had already worked. So they had a license for a patent from a, a university that had already worked. So they had a license for a subdomain. In another domain, it had worked very well. They had spun out a business that was now worth $400 on the stock market. And these guys had done it, but they were employees of this company. So Mm -hmm. now they wanted to do it themselves. And that, for me, is a sign of traction because they've got the fire, right? And they've got the IP, and they've done it before. So I also look for repeat offenders, right? You also try to look for repeat offenders. yeah. And people who have failed, uh, a lot of people say failure is bad, blah, blah, blah. I also like people who are honest and say, listen, man, I screwed up. I didn't see this coming. I was young. I was took money from this VC. It was a bad idea. They killed us. I like to hear that as well. So I like to also hear, for me, it's more human traction. You know what I mean? Um, they've done it before. They're honest. They've admitted to their mistakes and they've learned from their lessons. That I would say, a lot of it at the beginning is really a Feeling it's almost intuitive with the founders, right? You need to have that. And they really need to have something disruptive. You know, I'm not, as a VC, I don't look for the next kind of me too. Then you just, it's an execution play. I look for people that are really like going a step above, you know, it's not like little incremental changes. Like I can reduce the price of this sensor by 5%. Nobody gives a crap, right? It needs to be a real leap. It needs to be really interesting. and, And there needs to also be an end market, right? And this comes, you see a lot of companies doing commodities right now, uh, trying to do plant-based commodities. I mean, you'll never win against oil. So in a lot of cases, you'll never win against oil. So I you be passionate about that one. <laughs> yeah, so there needs to be other yeah. reasons to do it. Okay.
0: Right?
1: So, so that's yeah. the kind of thing that I look for is why is it really that much better? Yeah. And it's more like, you know, you do VC for 12 years, you kind of, I lost... Money at the beginning made stupid mistakes, so you you learn from them, and you there's no real ranking system. You know, it's almost intuitive.
0: You know, you just yeah. gotta look for those kind of little things. Absolutely, I think to be fair, I was going to go on to to must don'ts, but uh, we've kind of covered a lot of those. Let's That's, um, That's part... got... no,
1: no, no, I got, some more. I oh, got you... some more.
0: Okay, let's do quick fire then. Alex. Okay, okay,
1: <laughs> uh, must nots. Okay. Yep. Um, when you're reaching out to me, don't send me a generic email, like a template, like dear, Mr. We missed doors. Like try to look me up on LinkedIn, connect to me on LinkedIn, try to be a bit more personal Two, in a deck, never put your valuation. Okay. VCs mm-hmm. like say my company has zero sales, but is worth hundred million. Okay. You got to really argue well for that. So usually don't put your valuation in a deck because the VC likes to come up with the valuation on his own. And often he'll just say, screw it too high. I'm out. Um, so though, and be humble, I don't like people, I don't, I mean, some people like flamboyant VCs, but, uh, or, sorry, uh, founders, but also be humble. Uh, that's important as well. And I also, um, don't one other no, no is don't screw over your business angels. Cause they, you know, sometimes VCs come in and they apply all kind of, you know, the founders and the business angels are usually in ordinary shares. And usually the VCs come in and, you know, put in all kinds of mechanisms to maximize their profit. And the founders often side with the VCs. But then when the going gets tough, those VCs are sometimes not there. Mm. And your business angels will just be like, I'm not, you screwed me over, not interested. So be very careful uh, to not burn bridges with your old investors who might not have that 15 million euros to invest in your company today but they mm. believed in you four years ago and they gave you a million euros. So don't forget that when they go and get stuff, those guys can be there to help you out.
0: Yeah. And, and sometimes that 15 million, 15 million euros is just through knowledge and um, free advice at the start. Right. Yeah. Um, great. Alex, I, I know we have to cut it off there. Cause um, we like to make these short and snappy uh, recordings, uh, but I, that, I love working with you. So, um, you know, I could hear you speak about all of this topic, um, anytime so we'll probably have you back and talk about another topic as well so um thank you for coming on and uh, yeah look forward to having you on again